0: We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Welcome everyone to today's podcast. Our show is going to really focus on after-death communication. We're also gonna hear about my guest's journey through healing, healing herself, learning about different healing modalities and also the power of love. So this is definitely a podcast that you want to continue listening to. I'm gonna introduce you to my guest now. Her name is Rebecca Austell-Claussen. We have her book here called The Change Maker. If you are would like to watch this, you can watch this interview on PAP 11 TV. That's where we put these videos up, or you can just listen to wherever you're listening. But if you're watching, you'll be able to actually see the beautiful color of this book. And there's a beautiful tree kind of reflected. And I connect a lot with trees, by the way. They have a special meaning to me that maybe I'll talk about. But her book is Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life. <laughs> And so let me tell you a little bit more about her. She has a really interesting background. So Rebecca had no psychic or spiritual experience when she discovered her ability to communicate with her deceased brother. Doubting her sanity and fearing she would lose the respect and support of her colleagues and her family, she struggled to mesh her spiritual awakening with the practical everyday world. And let me tell you, people, I can totally relate to that. Being a licensed mental health therapist and having all these strange, weird spiritual experiences, I really had no idea how my colleagues were going to understand me, if they thought I was going to be crazy, if they wanted me to get a psychiatric evaluation. So I totally feel her journey. It is so true to my heart. So Rebecca is actually an occupational therapist. That is her trade. That is the training that she went into. And through her story, which you'll learn about today, she also became a Reiki master, an international speaker. And she found the courage to share these experiences in her award-winning book, Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, which is the book that I got a chance to read. She's the first person to teach Reiki, a natural energy healing modality that also enhanced after death communication at every in-person American occupational therapy annual conference since 2015. So can you believe it guys? She is actually there teaching this stuff at the occupational therapy annual conference. Love it, amazing. And also at multiple universities. She is also the first to teach Reiki at the International Association for Near Death Studies online annual conference beginning in 2021. So she also teaches empowering after-death communication online and in person, and we will put her website in the show notes. She's also going to give you all a free gift, and she is more than happy to send a personalized signature book plate for anyone that purchases her book, Changemaker, and emails their address to her, and we will also put her email address in the show notes for you if you would like that. So Rebecca, welcome to the Path 11 Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It is
1: absolutely a delight to meet you. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Yes, I'm so glad you're here. And I found Rebecca through a a friend, a person who was on our podcast a couple of times. His name is Dave Roberts. You can search the archives. And Mike and I are on a journey this year, 2022. We are starting to begin filming for After Death Communication Documentary. So we have another documentary coming your way. And Dave Roberts highly recommended Rebecca. And he was like, you know, even if she's not a part of your documentary, you need to hear her story. You need to hear about the after-death communication that she had with her brother. She wrote a book. It's wonderful. And he said, there's only two people that I really trust in this field. And Rebecca is one of them. So Rebecca, he really feels and speaks very highly of you that, you know, you're somebody that's very grounded in this field that really comes with a lot of respect and, you know, really believes that the story that you have is true and and is just a beautiful story of after-death communication.
1: You are so lovely and Dave's absolutely fantastic. I met him at uh, Utica College when I was communicating with the occupational therapy department and they sent my name to Dave and we became fast colleagues and friends ever since. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, So let's Let's back up before your brother passes. Okay. And it sounds like you were a bit of a workaholic, right? <laughs> Spending lots and lots of hours, intense. This woman. I think, gets more stuff done before 7 a.m. than all of the listeners on Patch 11 podcasts combined. So, you know, you kind of have like that intense energy of like work is your passion and you also have a family and a husband and two children, but yet very productive. I feel like you're a very productive soul, a soul that is here to like get work done and get it done thoroughly, quickly, fastly, and has a lot of work to do here. So, Kevin, you kind of back us up to your occupational therapy world and then how your world began to change when you when your brother got rushed to the hospital.
1: You have definitely got me. That is exactly correct. I do work all the time. I love to work. Works my passion. And I uh, have started five private practices. And when the book was written, I was on my fifth one and it was growing at that point. We had 80 staff and I was working in all different types of rehab settings and very um, science-based and traditional, providing school system, rehabilitation, outpatient services. And my brother had come out that he was gay when he was in his early 20s. And when he was in his early 30s, it was in the mid part of the 1990s. And it was a horrible time for people that had AIDS because People were dying. Absolutely. If you got AIDS, you died. And so I was just casually talking with my brother. We were at Cape Cod. You'll hear the Boston accent. And we were on Coast Guard National Seashore. And I just casually said to him, hey, Dave, you've been tested for AIDS. And he was 32 at the time, four years younger than me. And he turned away. And April, it was horrible. I did not expect that. And the sun went behind the clouds and my heart started to beat faster. And he turned back and he said, I'm HIV positive. And I feel like a goofball for saying it. But at this at that time, I did not know what that meant and asked him. And he said, it turns into AIDS. And I was dumbstruck. My brother was going to die. And I said, David, are you getting good medical care? What can I do to help? And he was affiliated with Harvard and getting great care. And he said, please don't tell anybody. I don't want to be treated any differently. I'm taking all the precautions. And so what happened was I had no support system. And because, of course, I agreed I'd do anything. And I found myself in a bookstore in a new age section, which I didn't even know the word new age, had no idea that was even a discipline or a genre. And I started to read books on the afterlife, which I also didn't know that that was even a possibility. And I sent some of these books to David. So when he passed, he was aware that there was a slight possibility that maybe he would still be alive. And six weeks after he passed, I'm filled with grief, of course, couldn't understand it. I think everything in life is positive. I was riding my horse through a Christmas tree farm and it was a beautiful day. And it was the first time that I opened my heart and said, thank you. Thank you universe for this beautiful day. I closed my eyes and Theo was my brother. And he was in human form, wearing a black and red plaid flannel shirt, dungarees and sandals. I had never, ever, ever heard or done anything like this before, but it was real. And I started to talk with them and realized within a second, I could just send thought. And he was great and I was great. And I looked to the right, and there are my grandparents, Abe and Bessie Dole from Wellesley, Massachusetts. They had passed about 10 years ago. Edward, one of David's very good friends who had passed six months ago, a friend of mine, Holly, who had passed 20 years ago. And the story goes on. But that was the first time that I believed that life was eternal. And I went to look for a teacher, found a shaman, learned Reiki, and had a wonderful time. Absolutely wonderful time. But I didn't tell hardly anybody this was happening. This is the mid-1990s. And people were not talking about after-death communication.
0: Yeah. And so I love it if you could also tell the story. It almost feels like story of the, the manatee. Oh, almost as if you were having a shared death experience with your brother because something happened before he died. You kind of had this really amazing vision and it reminds me a lot. And I know you'll understand this because you kind of talk about the bear in your book. But, you know, in shamanism, some shamans work with power animals or spirit animals, you know, in that the animal kingdom specifically like is nice communicator between both worlds, you know, spirit can really enter into the animal kingdom because they really have no ego. They have, you know, no agenda really here in life. So it can make it very easy for us to communicate with our loved ones through the animal kingdom, you know, and a lot of times our loved ones will give us signs and symbols through the animals. But you kind of had this really, I think, amazing vision, experience with your brother's spirit while he was he was still alive, I understand from the book, but reunited with a friend of his, one of his best friends. And this image, this metaphor, this story came through to you in the vision of these Animals. And then we later find out, I don't know how much I should give away in your book, of why your brother chose this certain animal. So, can you tell that story?
1: Yes. And you explain that so beautifully. I love the symbolism of animals that you just brought forth and such. I thought David was going to pass one night. He was in the hospital and all his friends had come in and our relatives, and it was very sad. And so I didn't want him to pass alone. And so I got permission from the hospital to have a hospital bed and stay with my brother. At this point, he's on a ventilator. He was in essentially a coma. And I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. And it's interesting that it was three because numbers are significant. And three often means mind, body, soul. And so I woke up at three o'clock. And there was no energy from my brother. Now, I don't really know how I knew that because I was not at all familiar with energy at the point, but I could tell that his soul was not there. So I thought, huh, this is sort of interesting. I'm 20 minutes from my parents' home. I guess I could go back, but what would I say? David's body is still there, but I didn't feel anything. I mean, that seems sort of silly. And so I picked up, David had a quartz crystal and i picked up his crystal and it was gray and mottled and he had been carrying it around with him for a while and then i picked up his friend edward's crystal who had passed and i got a little tingling and i had previously that a couple of days ago gone into meditation which i didn't even know how to do but i just asked edward to come and be with david when he passed and so when i got this tingling from edward to me it meant oh edward's around now i didn't think anything about this And that had, of course, no sleep for days and such. So anyway, I had David's lying flat on his back on this hospital bed. I took his, let's see, it was his left hand. I moved my chair up to his bed. I took his left hand, put the two crystals in my hand and then his hand in between. So we had David's hand, two crystals, my hand. And I closed my eyes. And I saw the most amazing creature that I had ever seen. I'd never seen this animal before and it was in the water and David's Pisces, I'm Pisces, my dad's Pisces and Pisces is a water sign. And David had not been able to go swimming for two years because he had a um, shunt and it was in his stomach and he was unable to um, swim with this life saving shunt that he had. And so I was looking at this animal and it was this very fat, very fat porpoise type of animal with a sort of a a pug face. And I was like, wow, that's sort of interesting. And it was a very calm presence. And then I looked at the eyes and it had David's eyes, had his big brown eyes. And I thought, oh, my gosh, my brother has transformed into this animal. And then the animal slowly started to come towards me with great presence, with great calmness, with great love. And then it came inside me and I have never felt the explosion of beautiful connectedness and oneness and love ever. And it felt great. And after, I don't really know how long it was, I think maybe 20 minutes or so, the animal vent slowly left. And it, it started to swim away. And there was a very small, same type of animal on the right that I could see. And to me, that was Edward. And I, I, I thought, all right, Edward's with David and David's with Edward. And they're swimming away. And I'm like, oh, wow, see you later. You know, but I was just filled with all this love. And Then the animal that was my brother turned around and gave me this beautiful look. And then they swam away. And it was a sheer death experience. And I did not know the name sheer death experience when I was writing the book, but I know it now. And it was absolutely fantastic. And that morning, my parents came in and I was so filled with love. I also love trees. And so after this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my brother's alive. He has a past. He's not dead. He's just transformed. And I went outside and hung out with some trees and just sort of calmed myself. And at about 730 in the morning, my parents came in and my dad's a minister. So you would think that I would have thought that maybe there's an afterlife, but I didn't know that. And we never really talked about it. And I said to my parents, David's alive. David's alive. And my dad looks at me and he says, now, Becky, why are you thinking that and what's happened and I explained what happened and he was so calm and he said people deal with death in all sorts of ways and that's what they said and he didn't say I was nuts he didn't say I was psychotic and I'm like okay and so it really was quite a spectacular experience and later a couple of months later I was looking I had drawn a picture of this animal
0: yeah
1: and I was looking at, I think it was Life or Time magazine, and I saw it, and I'm like, holy moly, this is the animal, and I started to cry, and our kids at that time, we have two boys, Kenny and Ryan, and my husband, Jeff, knew that I had drawn the picture, and I pointed at this picture, and he says, that's what you saw, and I ran upstairs, and got the picture, and compared it, and then explained to our I think they were five and seven-year-old sons, what had happened to me. And they uh, listened and heard it. And my husband was extremely supportive, thank goodness. And it was a manatee. And so I'm like, now my gosh, why? Why would David, I didn't even know what a manatee was, but manatees are becoming extinct. And so for me, that was the relationship. And it was really quite, quite spectacular. And so I immediately, of course, went into the Save the Manatee Foundation and such and gave big donations. And it's really been magical to continue to receive messages and signs and symbols and visits from my brother.
0: Yeah. And, and didn't your brother, when he also, it was in another after death communication had explained to you why he came through as a manatee and kind of showing the correlation between people with AIDS, you know, and how he kind of felt about that. And I didn't, I didn't realize until I read your book that manatees were, you know, going extinct and how they could really be um, harmed by like the boats and the engines or the blades and things of that sort. So would you like to talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. David had been to Florida a lot, and so he was familiar with manatees. And so to have that symbolism of the manatees becoming extinct and people with AIDS becoming possibly extinct. I mean, just thousands of people were dying of AIDS all the time. And David had it for seven years or he was HIV positive for seven years. And so he was at the time considered a long-term survivor. And thank goodness people now with HIV are not automatically proclaimed as being on the road to death. It really was quite interesting to learn at that stage how people that have passed can use animal signs and symbols to communicate their thoughts, their presence, their values with us.
0: Yeah. And so... I was curious as I was reading your book and you kind of mentioned it more towards the end that your family kind of started getting used to you Um, saying, oh, I've been talking to David or David's giving this message. But what was that like, you know, with your dad kind of being a minister and here you are, you're like entering into this world. Not only are you talking to David, but you're talking to fairies, right? (laughs) You end up getting introduced to the fairyland and the fairies are communicating with you in your meditations. And it looks like you're doing channeled writing and, you know, you're downloading all of this stuff. So I'm just, you know, curious, how did you deal with that and, and your family and, you know, kind of overcoming some of that fear to eventually share with them the communication that David was having with you.
1: April, it's so fun talking with you. It was, it was quite something. My family was supportive. Thank goodness. Now, not everybody believed, but they did know that I was quite passionate about this and they would listen. My husband was the number one support and So that that was just great. I did not share this hardly ever with the occupational therapy colleagues that I had, except there's a funny chapter where I did go to the American Occupational Therapy Association annual conference. And I had just written a chapter on home health and OT or something. And people said, so, Becky, how are you doing? And I had met the fairy realm and I didn't even know fairies were real, but I did meet them. And I explained that when I met people and they looked at me like I was nuts and I had no filter. And it sort of put me back organizationally within the National Association, I'd say about 10 years. But, you know, it was so valuable and so pivotal to my growth as a person that I realized I did need to have a bit of a filter. But what happened with me was that I had two I almost had like two parts of my brain. I had my science, occupational therapy, private practice, entrepreneur brain. And then I had the shamanic, the Reiki, the after death of communication, the automatic writing, the training that I was getting as the other part of my brain. But it was like two separate type of things. And I would get up at three o'clock in the morning and go to work. And then at seven o'clock in the morning, I would stop work and go horseback riding. And during the horseback riding through the woods, I would meditate a lot and would write it down and had all sorts of incredible experiences. And then I would go back to work and I'd go back to work at like noon and um, stay until seven or eight at night. And that happened all the time. And so it was like these two separate parts of my life with the best part at that point was communicating with my brother, learning how to do that. and. I was trained by a woman, a shaman named Nancy Ariel, and I spent three to six hours a year for that first year with her. And she taught me a huge amount and then met a variety of other colleagues that were were into this, but there weren't very many. And so it was really um it was really quite something. It took me 20 years, 20 years to have the courage to come out of the closet and share this. And before I did that, I sold my business. I didn't want to, at that, the time I sold it, we had close to 400 therapists and 13,000 clients a year. And I didn't want to put any of that at risk. And so I sold it to my chief financial officer and it was wonderful because now, since I sold it in um, end of 2015, and ever since then, my life has been absolutely magical. And it's really fun sharing this without any worries because I don't need to worry. And it's very, very, very nice.
0: Yeah. And isn't it kind of a little bit of a shame too that like these worlds aren't completely intertwined or blended yet that I know, you know, myself too, with my own mental health business and private practice, I really had to shift away from that in order to be more of my true self and to be able to talk about these things and offer these services to people. Um, still having the clinical mind, like you said, you know, like you're still going to have that clinical mind of the OT in you, but there is something very freeing to just kind of step into this and be all of who you are are and how you understand energy to be. So congratulations for taking that really big leap and, you know, selling your business in order for you to kind of just be 100% fully in this. I think that takes a lot of courage.
1: You know, April, thank you very much. Um, What I said to my chief financial officer when I, I talked to him, I was age 60 and I said, my soul is crying out for me to share this story and to have him be interested in continuing the business was such a gift because we'd worked together for 20 years. Along that line, though, the last couple of years, there has been a humongous integration between the afterlife and science, and it is so exciting. It really is uh, fascinating. For example, in 2019, there's a study, it's called a large-scale study, and it was published in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, and it's about Reiki. And there was 1,411 subjects that received a single session of Reiki all across the United States, all trained the same way, 99 Reiki masters provided one session. And they came up with statistically significant results and reductions in anxiety, stress, nausea, and an increase in well-being. And that is totally awesome. The other really cool thing that's happened is the Joint Commission, and the Joint Commission is the accrediting body of medical facilities, hospitals, outpatient, home health, all of that. The Joint Commission, effective January 1st, 2018 came out with a mandate for hospitals that are accredited as joint commission hospitals. And in my opinion, the joint commission is like the gold standard of hospital, of of medical care, really. If you're a joint commission accredited facility, you are right up there. So anyway, the joint commission, because of the opioid epidemic, said we must have a non-pharmacological option for pain and one of the things they recommend is relaxation therapy of which reiki is absolutely that and so effective january 1st hospitals must have a program that is not one that just gives pills for pain and reiki and pain reiki reiki reduces pain that's like the number one reason people use reiki and so to have these wonderful systems that are now supporting integrative health is absolutely fantastic. So I'm very excited and charged up with what's happening with, with, the, with the combination of complementary modalities with traditional medical care in the integrative health model, which is very exciting.
0: Yeah. So now were you did you introduce Reiki at these conferences and were able to teach it after you sold your business? And like, are you coming into it, teaching it to them now or were you still kind of doing that work and was able to bring it in? Good question.
1: I was getting ready to publish my book and it was published with a great publishing company called She Writes Press. And I almost pulled out of the book that I was an occupational therapist because I did not want people to think that all OTs talk to dead people. Like (laughs) I didn't think that was necessarily a good thing for the profession. And I went to an American OT annual conference, which. I planned the birth of our two children around me going to these <laughs> annual conferences. <laughs> so, like, I'm pretty familiar with, with the AOTA annual conference. And uh, on that subject, my mom said, you're never going to be able to do that. And actually, it worked. Actually, it worked. So I'm like, all right, great. So anyway, I go to this AOTA annual conference. It was in 2014. And there was a poster on spirituality. And now I knew we did something about spirituality, but I had no idea what it was. And I stood in front of this poster It was by Anne Marie Hansen from Duquesne University and thought, oh, my gosh, there is a place for what happened with me in my profession. And at that point, I thought, wow, I wonder if I can submit a proposal which is a blind review proposal to teach Reiki. And by golly, it got accepted. Now I'd been on the proposal review committee a lot. And so I had an idea about how to write these and the validations that were needed and all that. So Reiki level one was taught in, um, in 2015. And then I teach it in one day. You know, people can learn how to give Reiki to yourself and others in one day. And so the next year, 2016, I'm like, huh, if, the, if Reiki level one was accepted, maybe they'll accept Reiki level two as well. And so in 2016, submitted the proposal and that got accepted. And so since then, every single year, I submit this blind proposal and it's been accepted, including this year. And this year, I'm headed down to San Antonio in a couple of weeks to teach at the in-person conference Reiki level one and two. And let me just continue on that just a little bit. During COVID, I had all these Reiki trainings all over the country and medical universities, national conferences and all this. And I'm like, wow, this is sort of interesting. Now what am I going to do? And so I, I took a class on how to do online training. And Lo and behold, Reiki works great online, which I was very surprised, but I do um, experiential breakout rooms where people have one-to-one experiences receiving and sharing Reiki with three different partners and it works great. And so I've been doing what's called Reiki immersion online for the last couple of years. Actually, I'm, I'm teaching it tomorrow and then next week, but I teach it in March. And so Reiki works great. In person, and it works great online. And so it's been really, really, really fun to share how we can help ourselves heal and help others heal. And if you don't mind me, just can I just go on a little bit on that? Yes, please. So, so I have been teaching it at, at the AOTA annual conference, and Duquesne University calls me up in 2017. And they said, Becky, a number of our faculty, OT faculty, have been to your Uh, presentations for Reiki and we would like you to come and teach it to our students and I'm like okay great and so I went to Duquesne University in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania, 40 OT students were there, and I walk in and I always set the room up very lovely spa type environment, so it's relaxing and comfortable and and welcoming. So I said, hi, I'm Becky austel and I'm here to teach you Reiki. How many people are familiar with Reiki? And not one person raised their hand. I'm like, whoa, this is gonna be interesting. And then the next day, Duquesne had partnered with the Pittsburgh chapter of Pennsylvania OT Association. So in one weekend, 70 people were trained in Reiki. At that time, 70 people trained in Reiki, most had no idea what it was, article 20 percent 20 percent 15 people had after-death communication experiences and they hardly ever had had that before and i'm like whoa because i'd always had just a couple every time i taught it but this was 15 people and i'm like okay great reiki really does facilitate after-death communication and so it's been really fun to build the two—the self-healing, helping others heal, and facilitating the after-death communication.
0: Yeah. So with the after-death communication and Reiki, so I've had that experience myself in the Reiki sessions that I provide. Either I'm facilitating it because the deceased loved one will come in and want to chat or give messages, but I've also had my clients connect with their loved ones or feel like that they got messages or saw their their father, or their mother. So is that? the experiences that you're talking about of what they experience with the after death communication? Or is there something else that you do within your training to elicit to teach them how to do that?
1: I do not teach them now. Now, the last couple of years, I I talk a bit more about it, but my classes are approved by the National Board of Certification for OT. And I'm not necessarily one to say you know, OTs can teach people how to communicate with those that have passed on. Like, I'm not going there with that. So I'm pretty science-based, but I do tell the story. I tell the story about how I learned how to communicate with my brother. Well, I didn't really learn it. It just happened. And then I learned it. Right. And so it, it does allow people the awareness that we can communicate with our loved ones. And so these 15 people, and I counted them. I'm like, whoa, this is like amazing. They had their own experiences. And the first one, you know, somebody raised their hand and said, I just want to let you know that I, I just talked to my grandmother. I just talked to her. Or another one said, I just saw my dad who had passed or I just saw my aunt. And it kept going on and on. And once someone, once person said it, more people said it. And they were like a little nervous, you know, and it was fantastic. And so then I subsequently went to Lily Deal, which is this wonderful place of psychics and spiritualists. And they asked me to teach after death communication there. And I, they even gave me a bigger room because we had so many people. And it works, you know, it really works. It's It's really quite fun. And you don't have to have Reiki, but Reiki raises the vibrational energy so that we're in an easier place to communicate with our
0: loved ones that have passed on. Right. Exactly. And also kind of, you know, that meditative component too. Like you said, when you are relaxed, the mind is stiller. you know, you're able to access into the realm that isn't the 3D, you know, that isn't kind of the busyness of what's going on right here. So Reiki is such a beautiful tool just, you know, for so many different, different things. But I just think that that's wonderful that you're teaching it and, you know, you're hitting such a wide range of people, so many people all at once, which is wonderful that, you know, that gift keeps getting you know, spread to other people in that field of OT because they're touching people all the time. They need Reiki in them, you know, they need that energy. Um, And and April,
1: it's not just OT, like I started in OT and then went into PT and nursing and social work and psychology. And actually I've got a physician, integrative health physician coming to my Reiki masterclass next week. And so it's all throughout the medical profession, but it's not just for medical professionals, it's for anybody. And so it's really fun to have, you know, to have medical professionals and others that are interested in these Reiki classes.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree more. I have a lot of medical professionals, a lot of people like massage therapists, nurses, myself, that take my trainings as well. And and then I have moms, you know, who are just like wanting to learn how to give Reiki to themselves and to their children. And some people who are just on their spiritual path, you know, and they just want to learn more about what this is and learn more about themselves. So it's, you know, I'm a huge fan of Reiki. So everybody knows that. <laughs> you go,
1: girl. It's great. I was so excited to, to learn that you have a background in Reiki. I'm like, yeah. oh, right.
0: Yes. And do it frequently. And I teach once a month right now. I, my time is a little bit limited, with do all the projects that I have. But I usually get one training in a month. Sometimes I'll combine level one and two, or this month I'm doing just a level one. I teach mine a little bit longer. I do it a uh, 12-hour training, usually over three days. So it's usually like over a weekend. And uh, there's a lot of hands-on sharing and experience once we kind of get through all the you know, the science and the protocols and where you put your hands and this, that, and the other thing and the attunements. But, so I wanted to, you know, in the the second half of our interview, talk a little bit more about the power of love and would like to know, you know, what that means to you and how, how did the death of your brother kind of bring you more into this space of, of love not only your brother but just you know it's like you said his death opened up so many doors for you to learn and investigate and ask questions and connect with you know the shamans and then the reiki energy healing and then you know doing this on yourself and and all of this so why is the power of love an important message to you and what have you come to learn about the power of love in your life April you are lovely
1: like seriously Thank you for asking that. Welcome. I did not know the immense power of love until my brother passed. And one of the groups that is very supportive of the afterlife is a group called the International Association for Near-Death Studies. And People that have had a near death experience, of which there are thousands, maybe millions of people, have had near death experiences where our body flatlines, but our consciousness remains in a different realm. Most of the time, you travel to a different realm, and a lot of times, you see deceased loved ones. And the overall general feeling from the afterlife is love is love. And people come back when their body allows them to come back. They come back from these near-death experiences changed. And there's lots of books now that are being written that support this premise. And these books are written by physicians and researchers and medical professionals. And it's the science. We have research and data that supports now that human consciousness is separate from bodily death. There's a award that just happened and it's called, it's from a fellow by the name of Robert Bigelow. And last year he said in February, I'm going to pay a million dollars for anybody that can say that human consciousness is separate from bodily death. And November 2021, he, pro- he provided $1.8 million to 29 people that had prize-winning essays, and they supported the fact that the afterlife is real. And you can get these, you can get them for free. You just go Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies Awards, and you'll get them all. Oh. And the overriding feeling from the afterlife is love. And it's been so wonderful to acknowledge how important love is on this physical plane and a couple of years ago i started signing my professional emails with love and i thought huh this is going to be interesting how is this going to be received and april it's been received great and people talk about love and they share love and then they sign their emails sometimes they sign their emails with love as well there's nothing better than love We're all connected. We're all one. We're all part of love. And when we open up our heart, which is what Reiki facilitates and shamanism and yoga and biofield energy modalities, it's not just Reiki. When we open up our heart and we learn to trust ourselves, to trust ourselves and listen to our heart and follow our passion, love, surrounds us it's within us it surrounds us and it gets sent out into the universe and
0: really in my opinion there's nothing better than love yeah and we're going to end with a story of you trusting your heart, trusting your intuition, trusting the love that you felt with this amazing story, if you don't mind sharing it, about a happy hour message that your brother David had given you. But before we get to that, I want to mention the Bigelow study that you're talking about. I recently was made aware of that from Dr. Christopher Kerr, who gave that. Oh, yeah because he was one of the participant recipients too, you know, and we also had Steve Taylor on our podcast. He was one of them, the name Peter... Von Lamel. No, it's Pim, not Peter. Pim Von Lamel. Pim, 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 Pim Von Cateo- yeah. yeah, another one. So yeah. So it's really something people should check out if you really love reading essays. Some of them are a little long. I've been going through them myself, but really fascinating that he did that. I would love to talk to that Bigelow guy and, <laughs> you Robert know, learn, Bigelow. Robert Bigelow and learn a little bit more about like what he thought after receiving all of those essays. But you're right. You know, the power of love, this is where it's at and it's in our heart. When we listen to it, when 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 we touch into it, when we trust it, And, you know, David had given you um, a really powerful message about wanting to gather everybody together at a happy hour. Plans changed a little bit, but there was a real magical miracle moment with you trusting the message that you got from your brother after, you know, again, here we are with after death communication. David's talking to his sister. He's giving her a directive. She's trusting it. She's telling everyone about it. You know, synchronicity and timing didn't quite, you know, match up perfectly, but something even better happened. So do you want to share that story?
1: Oh, you're so fun. I certainly would. Good. So it's a year after David had passed and we were, we were going camping. We always go camping on Cape Cod. We have this big family vacation. We have 13 to 18 sites. It's fantastic. And David on the way we I'm in Pennsylvania and we're going to Cape Cod. So David came to me while we were driving and And he said he wanted to to be with me. And I'm like, wow, that's going to be interesting. And he was very careful. He said, Becky, if it gets too much, just send me away. I go, So he's with me on the on the ocean because we go to the ocean every single day. And he says, I want to come to happy hour. And I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) that'd be cool. And I said to my parents, I just want to let you know I heard from David. And he said he'd like to come to happy hour. And dad looks at me and he says, let me talk to your mother a little more about this. And so he came back to me about an hour later and said, you know, some people might not be as comfortable with having David at happy hour, but why don't you have a special, I don't know what you would call it. Why don't you have a special service or whatever you want to call it after happy hour and during happy hour, because happy hour is when we all get together and exchange food and laughs and all that jazz. After happy hour, you can you can have whatever you want to do. And I'm like, okay, great. And so dad had a couple places where we could do this. And that we looked at three different places, the number three, again, we looked at three different places. And one of them was magnificent. It was on a hill. It overlooked a lake. There were all these woods around. And I'm like, dad, this is it. So there was about eight or nine people that came and And I had never what's called channeled. I had never channeled publicly before. I had done it with my husband. I had done it with a few friends, but these are these are my relatives. And but anyway, I just decided it was going to be fun. And it was a very good connection that I had with my brother. So so I'm I have my back to the water. People were in a um, half circle, including my aunt, who's in a wheelchair. And the whole the whole scene was magnificent. And I, I channeled David and he had messages for every single one, every single person. And it wasn't rocket science messages, but it was like, oh, I understand you've gone to school. How are you doing? How's work going? mohammed says, David, I miss smoking a cigarette with you. And they had this, you know, little bit of a conversation. I was able to have that conversation. And then at the end, I said, let's all, let's all send David love. Let's send him love and let's imagine love going, going into the sky, into the heavens. Maybe let's all join hands and send a big balloon of love. So we did that. And by this time it's nine o'clock and where we were was a very deserted part of the campground. It was about a quarter mile down. No one was around. Like I didn't even know this place was there. So we didn't, there weren't people around or anything like that. So it's, it's, um, you know, 9 p.m., we're sending David love, and I hear the weirdest sound, and it was this screech, and I'm like, what is that? And so, I'm like listening to this, and it turns out to be a bagpipe, and I'm like, a bagpipe? And this bagpiper, a real bagpiper, was playing Amazing Grace. Now, that is the song that we played at David's funeral, and I started to laugh. I'm like, David, I mean, we have never had a bagpiper at camping. I mean, we're not bagpiper people. And I'm just in hysterics. I'm like, I can't believe you thought of something so hilarious to show us that you really are here. And some, a couple of people went over and they were talking to this bagpiper and he had the fun. It was a man and he was about mid thirties. He was real. I mean, he seemed real. And he had this uh, suitcase that had all these travel stickers on it and such. And. It was incredible, and it was such a validation. It was so classic. It was so classic. And so when we went back to let the rest of the people know what happened, that's what people said. You know, there was a bagpiper, and it was really quite something. The next morning, my dad comes to, the, to our campsite, and he says, Beck, I'm going to go find that bagpiper. And I looked at dad, and I said, you're not going to find him. And he says, well, what do you mean? says I'm sure people know if there's a bagpiper here and I'm like dad that was David and David was able to transform somehow and come with us and be with us and you're not going to find a bagpiper but you know please please let me know uh, how it goes and about two hours later dad came back he said I went to every single campground now this is a 400 site camp place (laughs) went to every single campground people had never even heard that there was a bagpiper here. And it was such a, a wonderful validation for, for my brother to be able to say, hey, I really am here. I'm part of your life. Thank you for, for channeling me. Thank you for letting me come. And, and thank you for, for the family love that I receive and share with you always. And so it's, it was a very magical, magical time. And that was the first year. That was in 1990 six.
0: And so you can imagine the things that have happened since then. But that was the first year. I just love that story too. You know, for people listening, it's, you know, moments like that, where how do you explain the timing, the synchronicity of it? You know, originally, I think you were going to break David in at the bar, wherever you were at the restaurant for the happy hour. But then after your parents talked, they were like, well, let's do it afterwards and see who wants to come. So like the timing of it and everything of where it was originally going to happen you know, change. But then it's like, here you have, and not only that, but the song that he's playing you know, there's another validation, Amazing Grace, that was what was played, you know, at your brother's funeral. And then like this bad pipe out of nowhere at a campground decides, you know, to come down and play that while you are in the middle of like a grief ceremony, basically, you know, or like an ancestral ceremony, you know, with the element of water that is there. And so, you know, when that stuff happens, you know, some people listening might think back and they question, maybe they had a similar type of strange experience or synchronicity. And maybe they just kind of brushed it off, like, no, there's no way. Yes, way. You know, these this is the way that spirit can communicate with us through these subtleties or not so subtle in this case, you know, you know, example of it. And I just love that story and really wanted you to share it, to just hear it from your mouth. And, you know, the, the other kind of two synchronicities. Actually there were like three, maybe three or four just reading your book, this campground that you go to is called Nickerson. Yeah, it's Nickerson State Pack. So when I read that, I was like, oh my God, she was at the Nickerson campground where I camp, but it wasn't, but there's a Nickerson campground that my friends and I go to in a Gilboa, New York. And we were, we did that like a couple of times. It was like our annual camping trip. So at first I was like, oh my gosh, but it was different, but still, you know, there's that connection. So Amazing Grace was also played at my grandmother's funeral. So that was really cool to read that. And then when I had received a mediumship session with Austin Wells, a medium that I trust very well, after my mom had passed, she had heard the song Amazing Grace. And she said, does that song mean anything to you? And I said, well, kind of more for my grandmother, you know, but my mom was coming through the song that was in Austin's head was I think he's an opera singer, Bocelli. It's Bocelli. Yeah. And there was like this one where he sings Amazing Grace through that. So you know, it's like I read that. And then the cover of your book, Changemaker, has the tree. So with After Death Communication, when my aunt had died, I'm sure I've told this story before on another podcast, but she had come to me and it was, you know, she passed in November. So she would always buy the women, you know, in our family jewelry. She was a big jewelry buyer, but like funky stuff, you know, it's like she'd go into her travels, come back from Thailand and buy us, you know, give us this piece of jewelry. So all of a sudden I'm walking and I hear my aunt say, um, you know, you got to buy jewelry for everybody. And this is the store I want you to go to. And it was kind of a pretty expensive store in Saratoga. And I was like, I don't think I could afford jewelry to buy it for my mom, you know, and your daughter and myself for this. And I said, Well, how am I going to know, you know, what what to buy? So before my aunt passed, she had a very active death and was very lucid. So, of course, my family being the family that we are, we're like, Okay, when you die, what's your sign going to be to us? Tell us what's your sign going to be. And so my aunt's like, All right, well, I'm going to be a tree. And we start laughing and you know, we're like in upstate New York. And Diane was her name, but we called her Didi. We're like, Dee. can you be a little more specific? We're like trees. Do you know how many trees? How are we going to know what tree you are? Right. And she's like, don't worry. So then I was like, I wasn't satisfied with that. And I said, well, I'm not satisfied with that. I want my own sign. And uh, I lived with her one year when I was in sixth grade and she would always play Simon and Garfunkel when she would clean the house. So I was like, all right, whenever I hear Simon and Garfunkel, that's how I'm going to know. So I've had that moments with her when she has piped that, you know, any Simon and Garfunkel song through actually the day of her wake went to a restaurant right afterwards. So anyway, but back to the tree thing, right? So I'm like, okay, so then I'm getting this message. You have to go and buy the the ladies jewelry for me for Christmas and give it to them as a present, go to this store. And I'm like, okay, this, I'm not even going to be able to afford it. How am I going to know what to buy? Walk into the store and what, what is the store displaying? but the tree of life jewelry. So, you know, here we are. And again, subtle signs. But I mean, I knew I would have you on the podcast anyway, because you're coming from a a reputable reference of somebody that I trust. But this is also like, you know, we're talking about after-death communication. The cover of your book has this beautiful tree on it. To me, that's a sign of like Aunt Dee Dee saying, hey, hey. You know, share my story too. Let's talk about our after death communication and just beautiful. So there were just like a lot of really cool subtleties and references in your book that reminded me of some people in my family who are on the other side and communicating. So I just really loved it and really enjoyed reading it and highly recommend, you know, for people maybe who are going through the grieving process to maybe haven't had your own story yet or your own experience yet, but I think your story really... It's very inspiring for people to open up to this world and to learn how to ask and communicate with their deceased loved ones, how to meditate, how to journal. You have also every section after every chapter, there is something called illumination. And that's like another kind of reflective, a lot of reflective questions that you ask the reader and have them consider so it's really, it's really beautiful. I'm so glad you decided to write it and to put yourself out there and tell your story. And, uh, you know, I hope that our conversation today touches the hearts of of others. And maybe everyone today can make a commitment to sign their signature on their emails now with love. Oh, See what, nice. see what happens with that. And where can people find your book or your information? What's your website? Because I know we'll put it in, we're going to put it in Uh, the show notes, but you're also going to give that free gift away. So where can we direct people to go?
1: Sure. April, that was a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you so much for for sharing your heart, your wisdom, your expertise on this podcast. You know, to the world, it's awesome. It's awesome. Way to go. And, you know, that's what, that's what you and I teach is to pay attention to the synchronicities and to trust and to ask and to believe and to share love. Like, it's absolutely fantastic. And so people can get me by emailing me, Becky at, and then it's quite the name, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, Austell, A-U-S-T-I-L-L, Claussen, dot com. And that's my website. It's com. No space, no hyphen or whatever. That's um, where, where where you can get me. And Changemaker, my book Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, of course, is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, indie bookstores all over the place. And uh, it really has been amazing. It ended up winning five awards, which I couldn't believe. I was like, dumbstruck. And it's really been uh, wonderful. And April, thanks so much for reading it. You know, I put at the end of every chapter is the illumination, which is great fun, but also there's approximately 300 references in yes, the air that are you. organized by chapter. Because <laughs> I thought if people think I have lost my mind, at least they'll know I'm a well-read imbecile. And so every chapter, if you find things that maybe you want to replicate, you can just go to the chapter references and they're in the back of the book organized by chapter and so it's it's been a blast the whole journey has been a blast and being here with you
0: is magical thank you very very much Yes. And thank you. It's been magical for me. And thank you for that reference list because of course I went right to After Death Communication to see like, <laughs> what have I missed? Who could she recommend? What else? You know, can I look up and do my own research? And I found that really helpful and love that. But, you know, I would say your story really touched my heart. It was a lot of fun to meet David through you and to read your story. And I applaud you for all the beautiful work that you were doing that you continue to do and how you're changing lives. And you know, you are just the type of person that I love. Have, uh, love having on this podcast, you know, and bringing you to the world of my listeners and just like keep spreading it, right? Like keep that spider web just kind of spreading out and touching more people. So thank you so much. This was wonderful. If you write another book, you keep us on your list and uh, you come back on and we would love to- have you and help support you and share anything that you're doing, because I think you are your solid person. And thank you, Dave Roberts, for recommending this connection to happen.
1: I agree. Thank you so much. And when I went to your website and I'm like, I'm looking at all your quotes. I'm like, yes, yes. Yes and so thank you very much this has been a blast and so awesome. i hope you have a great day thank you listeners for listening and for believing for believing in the power of love and after death communication it's absolutely a wonderful way to continue our relationship with our loved ones
0: living beyond and thank you everyone again for listening stay tuned next week and i will bring you another fascinating conversation and until then with love Love you guys. (laughs) Lots of love, always and forever. Yes, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, path11tv. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to path11tv today. Bye for now we